how to land a job in the hidden job market, why he took a $200,000 pay cut, and how he was able to have confidence in his finances when taking that huge pay cut, how to build the right relationships when looking for a new job, and so much more coming right up. This is episode number 331 with founder and partner at Career Launch and author of the recently released book, Launch Your Career, Sean O'Keefe. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. Do you want to go from unmotivated to work out to more disciplined than ever before? If so, then go check out the Best You 10-Week Transformation Program that gives you the ability to set a worthy and winnable fitness goal, create a predictive and workable game plan, and it maximizes your discipline through accountability. Just visit go.nickcarrier.com slash 10-week program to get started from anywhere today. Again, go.nickcarrier.com slash 10-week program. Today, I'm super pumped to bring you the one and only Sean O'Keefe. Sean is an award-winning professor, respected researcher, and sought-after speaker on creating social capital, career readiness, internships, and jobs. He's also the founder and chief impact officer of Career Launch, which is a social enterprise that partners with colleges and career programs to equitably scale students' ability to create professional relationships and launch effective job or internship searches in the hidden job market. His new book is Launch Your Career, how any student can create relationships with professionals and land the jobs and internships that they want. And also this book is super practical for helping those people, but also super practical for helping young professionals and really just anybody looking to get a better career. You can learn more at careerlaunch.academy and you can get his book at careerlaunchbook.com. Now, before diving into the episode, be sure you're subscribing to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast on the Apple Podcast app on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and be sure you share this, the episode with a friend or family member while you're listening. Just send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And if you enjoy the show, I'd love it if you leave a five-star rating and review. But without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Sean O'Keefe. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I'm super fired up today to be joined by the one and only Sean O'Keefe. Sean, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Great to be here. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So I finished your, your book, Launch Your Career, How Any Student Can Create Relationships with Professionals and Land the Jobs and Internships That They Want. I finished this probably a week and a half ago, and I was a little bit mad that I did not have access to it when I was in college. Um, so that was my first thoughts behind it, but it was, it's just so great. It's just such a much needed thing because I know when I'm going, when I was in college, I thought I needed to go to career fairs and apply to jobs there and apply to the jobs online, but we were never instructed or taught on how to have career conversations and and how to have the courage to reach out to professionals and even, uh, you know, high level executives as well. And I think that that's something that is a, a huge gap that you're working on filling and, and filling a lot of people's uh, needs for that. So I think um, it's it's super great work that what you're doing. So I want to give kind of start off by giving everybody a little bit of background as to a little bit how you got started in this. So in 2005, you were in an MBA program at Santa Clara University. And you were doing a study abroad in China and South Korea. And on the long flight over there, you were sitting next to Barry Posner, who was the person who organized it and the head of the business school at the time. And you were having a conversation and you kind of told him how you got your first job with the Oakland Athletics. And then, you know, that whole story, which was which was awesome. 
And then you told him how you kind of wanted to start an organization around holding workshops for people and, and holding workshops around student empowerment. And then he kind of later on in the flight was like, why don't you teach a class on it at Santa Clara University? And, and so this is back in 2005. And if it's my understanding correctly, you started doing a class in January of 2010. That's right. What happened in between slash why the gap? Yeah. <clears throat> so um, the conversation happened while I was in the MBA program and, and to teach at, at, at Santa Clara University, you have to have completed your MBA. So I, I, I finished um, in you know mid-2008 and then um, the process of trying to, even as an adjunct professor, uh, getting hired, it's a it can be a long process, um, and so I think I interviewed in early 2009, and then by the time everything got approved and I got assigned a class, my first class was in January of 2010. Yeah, so talk to me a little bit about what your idea or your framework for the class was going in. Did you kind of have a very like how how clear were you on kind of the framework for the uh, launch your career method when you first started? Uh, not very clear at all, actually. I, 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 I had, I knew that the spaghetti that I threw against the wall when I was a college student, uh, there was something to it, um, and because it it helped me, and I just had this hypothesis as I went through my early and mid twenties that, um, based on all the conversations I was having with coworkers and clients and friends, et cetera, this experience that I had with a professor teaching me how to zig when others zag, and not just only go to career fairs and not just only apply to job online, but in addition to that, which those things are great. If you can get a job that you want through those means, fantastic. But a lot of students can't. Um, the jobs that they want, either the recruiters don't come to your the, your school or they're in such high demand that maybe you don't make it. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't get a, get one of those jobs because um, statistics say that you're 12 times more likely to get a position that you apply to online or through a career fair if you can develop an in internal um, advocate. Well, here's the thing. And this is great news for everyone listening. If you don't have an internal advocate because of family or friends, you can create one from scratch. And just that's the, that's the thing that most students either don't know how to do or maybe if they have an idea of how to do it, um, they lack self-confidence that um, to actually take the actions. Um, and so in the book, we really talk about this eight-step process that you mentioned, the career launch method, which has a bunch of micro steps that makes it really easy to follow what to do, when to do it, when to say, if you're going to send an email to someone, what do you put in the subject line? What do you put in the body? If someone doesn't respond, you know, when do you, when do you follow up? All that kind of stuff. So, but back to your question in 2010, um, I didn't have the method. The method came, came, came together a couple of years ago. Well, it didn't get formalized with a name and all the steps until probably three years ago. Um, so what I did in two, starting in 2010, probably through 2015, 2016 ish, is I tried a lot of different methods because what I did, it, it took a lot of work. And I was like, I, there's probably a better way to do this. So um, because I had this class and I had students that were willing, well, um, they were kind of forced to, if you will, because <laughs> I had an assignment and part of the assignment was to do two career conversations with people you never met and they can't be a phone call. They have to be, um, in person. And then once the pandemic hit, um, they either have to, you know, if you can't do it in person, then do a video chat. Um, but phone calls weren't, didn't count and you couldn't do someone you already met and you couldn't meet with someone that was less than four years out of college. So really trying to get people to push themselves, um, out of their comfort zone. 
And so step four of the method is outreach. So within step four, we tried all different combinations, like a five-step, five-day strategy, a seven-day strategy, a 15-day strategy, a 30-day strategy. And so after looking at all the data of testing lots of different ways, um, we realized that this 10-day strategy that's in the book is the best method. And you're not contacting someone every day for 28 days. I mean, sorry, every day for 10 days. You're contacting someone strategically and you're mixing up the way you contact someone. It's not just an email or a phone call or a LinkedIn message. So what what to do and when to do it, um, it takes that mystery um, and allows students to like, okay, if I just take one action at a time, this concept that's kind of scary, reaching out to people I never met um, and not just people, professionals whose jobs I'd like to have. <laughs> um, it takes this scary concept in it and it makes it uh, easy to actually take action. Yeah. No, and it definitely does. Like you said, it's super specific and super clear um, in the book, the, the method is and those specific steps like day one, day three, five, seven, ten, 10, whatever. I can't remember the, the exact numbers, but I kind of want to go a little bit back to the fact that you didn't have the exact framework when you first started, right? Like when you first taught, taught your first class, you had an idea of what you wanted to, how you wanted to to teach it, but you knew that, like you said, you're going to be throwing spaghetti on the wall a little bit and, and testing things out. And I think that a lot of us have the ability to do that in certain areas of our life, but we don't because we're not exactly sure what it, what it's going to look like yet. And that, so what do you think like give, gave you the gave you the ability or gives anybody the ability to kind of move forward or take action without having full clarity as to what that end product is going to look like and, and, and being, being okay with throwing spaghetti on the wall, as you said. Yeah. Um, so a couple of things come to mind and, and, and I've taken some of the things that, um, was taught to me and then kind of added to it. A lot of it is just perspective. So you know, the, the book is directed to college students, but, you know, recent college grads, you know, people, you know, long out of school could also use, use the method and just change some of the terminology a little bit. But college students in particular, they have this benefit. Society likes to help students more than they like to help non-students. Yeah. Um, and so leverage that. And so most students don't know, even know it's okay that I, as a student, can reach out to someone and they'll likely take a meeting with me. Of course, not everyone says yes, but Way more people say yes than, than most students think. And so part of the book, um, as, you, as you saw, is that there's these six main reasons why professionals will say yes to taking a meeting with a student, even if the student doesn't have experience in the industry that they're trying to get into. And I think that when I heard that, it, it put, me at, you know, put me at ease. Um, and then, you know, so talking about, and then I kind of um, coined the term playing the student card hey, you have this time in your life when you're a student from until the day that you graduate, you have this period of time when you're a student. And so you got to capitalize on the fact that society likes to help students more than non-students. And so how do you how do you do that? So we call it playing the student card. And there's this quote by Eric Thomas, my favorite motivational speaker. He says, you have to take advantage of the opportunity of a, of a lifetime in the lifetime of the opportunity. And so how that relates to the crew launch method and the students is that you're only a student for so long. And so you have to take advantage of this opportunity of a lifetime being a student um, in the lifetime of the opportunity before you graduate. So don't procrastinate. College students are so good at procrastinating. Um, and so when you, when you, when students realize this as, Hey, I got to take advantage of this time. It's easy. And, and also knowing 
you know, Drake had a hit song about 10 years ago called YOLO. I'm sorry, the song was called The Motto. <laughs> what is the motto? The motto is YOLO. And I know most college students, when they think of YOLO, they think about doing something crazy or doing something maybe they shouldn't, right? Um, but take, take the concept of you only live once and apply it to your life and your career. It's true. We have one life to live. And if you're putting a lot of money and time into your education, the number one reason why students go to college is to get a good job. So if you're not spending some of your time as a college student working you know, on top of getting good grades and doing assignments and taking tests and writing papers, you should also be taking some of that time and reaching out to professionals and realize it's a numbers game. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. If, if, so, if you reach out to someone, you get ghosted. Who cares, right? <laughs> no harm, no foul. Like, as long as you're, you're, you're using professional etiquette and you're making yourself look good in your university or your college, and you reach out to someone, even if they don't say yes, it's okay. Because if you, if you, it's a numbers game, if, if you reach out to enough people, and that's why step two of the method is identify 25 people who could be strategically, strategically beneficial to you. Because if you come up with a list of two people, you might go 0 for 2. I guarantee you there's a 99% probability that if you reach out to 25 people and don't do it all on one day, don't do it all at one time, do it over time. We, we suggest doing five people at a time. But if you work, if you work 25 people over the course of several months, um, and we suggest five at a time, the probability of you going 0 for 25 is like less than 1%, assuming you're following all the steps of the method. And so you can, so even if you're someone like me and you don't have any contacts in the industry that you want to get into, um, and for me, that industry was professional sports, but it could be in, you know, bioengineering, it could be nursing, it could be, like, it could be anything, no matter what you're majoring in and what you're trying to get into, um, the, the career launch method is agnostic. And um, so, so I just, in 2010, I just knew that students get rewarded for stepping out of their comfort zone. Professionals love it. And you said at the top of the show, I wish I would have had this book when I was in college. And do you know what happens? Because I do a lot of qualitative interviews with the professionals who my students meet with or students who go through the career launch program at our partner schools go. Um, and I, I ask professionals, well, why did you say yes? Did you say yes to the first, first time the student reached out to you? Was it worth your time? Did the student follow up? I ask all these questions. And um, one of the things that this, the, the professionals tell us in these in qualitative interviews is, man, I wish I would have had someone tell me to do this when I was in college. And when I got the email, I had so much respect that there was a college student who never met me, went online either to the website or to my LinkedIn profile, looked me up and then wrote a, you know, a, an email that had professional etiquette. It was flattering to me and asked if I could have 20 minutes. I just thought that was outstanding. And so these professionals, they come to the call excited and, and already have a positive opinion because they think like, wow, I mean, what a great thing for a college student to be doing with their time. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. There's a, there's definitely a lot worse things that college students could be doing with their time. Um, <laughs> but I kind of, I kind of want to jump back to, again, kind of when you, when you started to kind of move away from the the method a little bit for a second, like this was a big different, like career jump for you. You worked for the Oakland athletics for seven years, seven, eight years. And now you're going to decide to teach a college class, essentially. What gave you, were you nervous about it? Were you, were you confident about the jump? What, what was that decision like for you? Well, when, when I was on that plane flight to Korea, sitting next to the dean of the business school, 
And he said, how would you like to teach? <laughs> I had total imposter syndrome, meaning like I did not think I was qualified. Um, I didn't, you know, I was a community college student who transferred to a public university as an undergrad. I barely scrapped out a 3.0 and he's asking me to teach at this private business school in the heart of Silicon Valley. I was like, I don't think I'm qualified. Um, but he, he said to me, I didn't say that exactly. He said, well, you have su subject matter expertise. You've done this. You've already proven success that this proactive outreach to professionals can pay off two of your three hidden, two of your three internships in professional sports were in the hidden job market. And because of those internships, you landed a full-time job. So you have more credibility. So it doesn't really matter. You know, um, nothing else matters. You have subject matter credibility. And, um, so that, that, that was really key for, for, for me to um, say yes to being an adjunct. And then um, as far as the career change in 2016, after my seven years with the Oakland A's, I did seven years with a company. I did seven years sounding like I went to jail. I, I, worked, I, I worked for a company for, for another seven years and um, it was a regional tech company. It was very less glamorous than professional sports, but I just wanted a position where I could be a leader and I did very well in that role. And then my, you know, where I was teaching at Santa Clara University as an adjunct, they're like, hey, we have this non-tenure track full-time position. Um, would you be interested in it? You know, the, the person that I reported to, he left and I got recommended to the position. And I had to have some serious conversations with my wife because I this was a dream job. I was like, I was loving teaching as an adjunct, but I was only teaching like two classes a year. And um, I thought to myself, Man, in my 50s, you know, once I kind of stopped working in the southern industry and, and I'm financially comfortable, then I'll make, make the change to teach full time. But, you know, I, you can't just go through life only thinking about money and financial security. Um, there's something to be said for, um, you know, listening to your intuition. And knowing you had that, to take you had to take advantage of the opportunity of a lifetime within the <laughs> lifetime of the opportunity. <laughs> Exactly. Well said. Yeah. And so like, I felt like, so a lot of people go through life and they don't realize that they have a gift. I'm fortunate to be someone that realized I have a gift and, and really the gift was given to me by a professor that I had in college. And I felt like in my heart, my duty is to pay it forward because not enough students are getting taught this across the country. And so if I can go from teaching two classes a year to teaching six, seven or eight classes a year, man, that, that's probably what I should be doing with my time, even though it, it required a $200,000 pay cut. Um, the great thing about being a college professor, if you're not tenure track and it, you have, uh, uh, and you're not doing research, you have other time throughout your week to be working on consulting and, or starting a business or starting a social enterprise like I did. And that's encouraged by the university. And so I thought, you know what, I didn't know how to get into professional sports. I didn't know how to, you know, be a leader, um, when I took the, you know, the, my next job, um, I didn't know that, you know, if I could be a, you know, a successful, uh, effective, you know, teacher, professor, um, I don't know for sure that I could figure out how to be a consultant or start a social enterprise. I just said, you know, I'm, I'm willing to take, take the risk and, and bet on myself and, and uh, took, the, took the position at Santa Clara. And then uh, that led to me starting the Career Launch Social Enterprise uh, not too long after that. We're going to take a brief pause in the interview really quickly because if you're somebody who is looking to achieve a fitness goal or maybe you lack motivation to get into the gym, you lack some structure in your weekly 
routine or maybe you've been wanting to get back into the fitness game and get back to maybe your weight loss goal or whatever goal it is and you're not really quite sure how. If that sounds like you, my 10-week program is for you because I help everybody set a very specific goal. Then we create a very specific strategy of the two or the three things that we need to do every single week that we believe are going to make us successful with our overall goal and that'll help you execute and I'll help you hold you accountable every single week so you do the things that you kind of know you should be doing but you're you're not quite doing them right now and that's what I've done with hundreds of people over the past 365 days over the past a little over a year and I want you to make sure that you are part of it as well and enough for me I want you to hear from the people who have done it in the past what they've got out of it and, and why they did it in the first place so here you go I cannot say enough good things about Nick's 10 week program. I have always been somebody who has worked out but never really had a fitness goal. If anything, I really wanted to achieve. It was more so just to stay in shape. And Nick does a great job of helping you not only define the goal, but also realize what steps you need to take to get there. Tomorrow, as of my weigh-in week nine, I hit my goal of losing 25 pounds in 10 weeks. Just the whole methodology of the program with it being one big goal, followed by some smaller goals to help me reach that big goal and then the weekly commitments to help me reach those smaller goals. During these times, it's helped strengthen my mental health and strengthen my focus and really made sure to hold me accountable to my goals. I'm so happy that I was able to hit the goal and uh, so much so that I decided to do another 10 weeks with Nick. I would recommend it to anybody, no matter what your goals are, if it's weight loss, if it's running a shorter mile, if it's anything you would like to achieve, I think that this program gives you the tools to set yourself up for success. But one of the biggest benefits for me, and the biggest takeaway I had was one I wasn't necessarily set out to improve upon, and that was building more self-confidence and really instilling self-accountability. The program was great. Um, I'm doing it again a second time to continue my weight loss, and I just can't recommend it enough. So again, guys, if you lack motivation, if you lack structure, if you want to get back into your fitness game, but you're not really sure how, then I want you to make sure you go to nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs. Again, nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs to learn more. For now, let's get back to the interview. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, anytime you step into something that is unknown, anytime you step into uncharted territory or uncharted, uncharted waters and you learn how to be proficient in that space, you build more confidence in that muscle of being able to step into more uncharted uncharted waters and become proficient. And then another, and then another step, and then another step, and another step, and you built that confidence up, and that probably gave you um, that confidence in, to make that jump into the uh, $200,000 pay cut. So to kind of stay right there, you know, a lot of people are listening might want to make a jump from the job they're currently in to a job that it is a pay cut, but they're a little bit more passionate about it and it's a little bit more of their their dreamed opportunity. What gave you the the confidence to be able to make that was to be able to make that jump? Was it the fact that you had a conversation wife conversation with your wife? Was it the fact that you already had relatively good financial stability? Was it the fact that I just I know I'm gonna absolutely love this and I'm gonna maybe find a way to make more money with it? Or what was really some of the biggest key factors to you being able to make that leap of faith? Yeah. Um Three, three things. Um, it was, um, both, you know, having support from, from, from my wife, it was having, um, been taught, um, sound financial practices from a young age. And okay, I can come back to that in a second. And then thirdly is, is, is my faith. Um, and, um, 
And so if, you know, through prayer, through conversations with my wife and knowing that um, worst case scenario, things didn't work out. I couldn't figure out a way to start a social enterprise or be a consultant. Um, Richard Branson talks about anytime you start a new venture, so that whether you're starting a huge corporation like, like he does, or you're someone like me who's just going to do something on a smaller scale, um, bootstrapped, um, always protect your downside. That's what Richard Branson said. Always protect your downside. So it, what, if things don't go well, can you be okay? And um, so thinking about that quote that I read you know, many years ago, and also the advice I got when I was in college, my college job, I sold kitchen knives through Cutco. Um, it's a job that's, uh, you know, throughout the country, most of their um, team is, is college students. And when I was going through their programming, they taught financial literacy and they said, hey, even as a college student, you should, you should open up um, a retirement fund with some of the money that you're making from this part-time job. And, and, they, and they gave all the whys behind it, time value of money. And if you put money in the bank now and over 30 years from now, what it looks like compared to if you wait 10 years and start and what, what the money would look like 20 years after the 10 year wait. And uh, that just always made sense to me. And so, um, you know, well, let's, even- let's keep it, let's keep expanding. I, I kind of want to keep expanding on this because I want, I, I love giving practical advice. And, you know, I know there are a lot of people out there who maybe, maybe not right at this very moment, they have the opportunity to, to change jobs and it would be a pay cut, but at some point down the road, they might, and the big one of the biggest things that would you know hold people back from doing that is the is the financial stability thing. So you know you talked about how you already having like retirement accounts set up, and that that was back in college. But what are some other kind of practical things that you did to ensure that you kind of had sound practices in place so that you did protect your downside? Like what is practicing or what is protecting your downside practically look like? Yeah, so living below your means. I am right out of college. I I didn't you know get the best apartment in the best city. Um, you know, when it came time to buy my first home, um, didn't stretch myself. Uh, you know, and then um, in addition, you know, don't even though I could buy a nicer car, didn't buy the nicest car that I could afford. Um, and then also in addition to having retirement income um, and trying to max out my four hundred one k ever since I was twenty two years old. Uh, I was taught that you should also have six months of emergency money in your bank account. So on top of your retirement, if you could also have, and you know, six months is hard. That's a lot of money just to have in the in your bank account on top of retirement. And so it does, you know, for most people, that's really going to require you to live, um, be really thoughtful about you know living below your means. But when you do that, the ability to negotiate for higher pay, maybe at, a, in, at the end of the year. Um, with your boss, um, you could be more bold because worst case scenario, again, protect your downside. If, if things, you know, if you said the wrong thing or what, what, you know, whatever, um, you could always go out and get another job because you, you know, most people can find another job in, in a month. You can certainly find another job that you like or you want within six months. If again, worst case scenario. Um, so, um, so my wife and I, we, we, I did that, you know, before I met my wife and then, um, and then we, we've done it together as a family. And always kind of, you know, had that cushion in case we ever wanted to either, um, you know, pivot into a new role um, or, um, you know, start start a business. Yeah, no, I love it. I think those are super practical tips. And, you know, the 
live below your means. Everybody can think about something right now that they might be uh, over overexpending on. And you know, when you make some of those first big purchases, whether it's a house, whether it's a car, you know, keep in mind. Don't necessarily buy something just because you can maybe afford it now. Buy something knowing that you want to have a little bit uh, of extra savings, and then having that six months rainy day fund, obviously, really important as well. Um, and something that everybody needs to make sure that they do with the career launch method. A lot of the people who are going to be listening, some are going to be like right in the beginning of their careers, maybe right out of college, but a lot of people are going to be young professionals from 25 to 30 to 35 years old. What are the couple of most important steps that are in this book that they need to be continually doing? Yeah. Play the young professional card. Um, there is a hundred percent, just like there's a college student card, there's a young professional card. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, 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 uh, professionals who are in their forties or fifties, um, they also like to, you know, help, um, younger professionals who are eager to, um, advance their careers. And, um, and so it all depends on what the, you know, um, you know, what, what one's goal is. Um, let's say, let's say, let's say, because I, and because I know a lot of people might be in this, this spot, let's say that somebody is in their job and it's not terrible, but they, they know that they might not want to be there for another year or another two years. Uh, they're not maybe necessarily ready to make the jump yet, but they know at some point in the next year or two years that they would make the jump. What are the steps that they could start taking now to start gaining a little bit more clarity as to what the next job jump is going to be? and start building those relationships now so that they're set up for when they're actually wanting to make the jump. Yeah. Um, so the first thing would be to identify um, where they might want to make a jump to. And is that internally just in a different division or department within the organization or company that they're at, or is it making a move to a new company organization and, um, and write down the different possibilities. Um, and so step one, make, make a top 10 list. And then uh, once you have a top 10 list or at least a top five, um, step two of the method is identify 25 people that could be strategically helpful to you. And uh, so what we say is pick five organizations and one of those organizations might be the organization you currently work for and then pick four more and then, you know, utilize, you know, LinkedIn and other tools to um, look up, you know, either directors or VP type people that you could reach out to and um, set up career conversations and, and learn about them and their path and, and get advice for how you might want to transition at some point. And, um, and then, you know, step four is, is, you know, just start taking action and, and utilize, um, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, you, 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 you I guess, um, for stuff, yeah, for step four, it's for the young professionals. It's, uh, It's, it's just really taking action, identifying five people at a time and, and just making it part of your routine. Whether you think you might want to jump ship and leave your current position in a month or a year, um, the more people that you can meet to kind of learn about what's going to be the best ne next step for you, or if you have crystal clarity on what the next step you want, um, how to build advocates so that when you apply, um, some companies have, have on, the, on the application, as you know, have a checkbox uh, that you either need to check or, or leave unchecked of whether, whether or not you know someone at the organization. And just think about um, hiring managers. So sometimes um, 
we forget what it's like on the other side of the coin. So hiring managers, when they're, they're busy, they're, their whole job isn't just recruiting. There are people who do recruiting for a living, but the career launch method states don't reach out to recruiters unless you actually want to be a recruiter. But for everything else, you want to identify the manager of the department that you want to get into and then reach out to those people. And then when you do, um, it's important to identify that. Um, and I lost my train of thought again. There you go. Um, you're good. And then you, you, you kind of, you want to talk to them and like in the conversation, you kind of end up with maybe getting connected with the recruiter at some point, if I'm not mistaken, if you, if you're looking for a job right now. Yes. But you want, you want to get referred to the recruiter from the person who might, might, might be your boss. That isn't going to maximize your chances. And then once you meet that person, you're, you know, step seven of the method is, or step six of the method is advanced follow-up. And that's where you think about how to end the conversation strongly. And one of the questions you probably want to ask in that scenario is, hey, if I get an interview, um, would, um, would you be able to put, put in a recommendation for me? And likely if you had a nice conversation, they're going to say yes. And then not only do you get to check that box, but in, in the interview process, you can reference the fact that you had the chance to meet somebody else in the organization. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's, that's great. Because I just, I, I know there are so many people, so many of my, my friends and peers and, everything like that are, are kind of in that spot. Like, man, I just know I'm, I'm in this job. I don't really want to be here for, for too much longer. And, and, but then they're not doing anything and then they don't do anything. And so I want to, I want to make sure I give those people some value in regards to how they should be moving forward in regards to having like a career vision. How, how much do you believe in slash how much do you teach young professionals slash college kids around trying to create a vision for your career or, uh, or yeah, a, a vision for your career, creating a vision for your career. Yeah. So that professor that I was on the airplane with, um, the Dean Barry Posner, he, he talks about working backwards. Think about one, you know, one day, hopefully it's a long time from now, we're going to pass away. And then um, at our celebration of life, people are going to talk about who, who we were and what do we want people to be saying about us? And so you kind of work back for backwards from that. Um, so if I know I want these kind of things to be said about me, how would that manifest in the different areas of my life? And that the different areas of life are probably going to include family, friends, career, health, spirituality, some of these contributions to society, et cetera. And so when it comes to career, um, what, is, you know, what is your ultimate goal? Um, or if you don't have clarity, what are some of the different goals that you might want to have? What does that look like? You know, in, in step one of the, of the, of the, of the, of the book, um, we talk about the 10 factors that matter in the job and really think about those 10 factors and give a weight because for different folks, different things are important. Um, and that can really give um, someone who doesn't have clarity um, an idea of, of, of where they should be thinking about what their vision is and then how to execute on that vision. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I, I think I, having the, your, your top priorities and I think naming those 10 things is, is super key. Well, down to the last couple of questions here, Sean, I, uh, the second to last question is what's maybe one of the most important decisions that you've made that you didn't realize the significance of until later, like for a career decision. What's maybe one of the most 
important career decisions that you've made that you didn't realize the significance of at the time, but you realized it a little bit later? Yeah, it was leaving the Oakland A's to go to a regional tech company. Um, I knew I wanted to get out of professional sports was my dream job as a college student. Then I get into professional sports. I'm like, I can't see myself doing this for the next 30 years. And then I was like, okay, then I, I need to make myself more employable. So I went to back, back to school to get an MBA. And then, so I finished the MBA and I was like, okay, I need to find another job. And then at that point, what mattered to me was I wanted to be in a leadership position and I didn't have a lot of luck on, on, um, you know, uh, you know, finding the quote unquote perfect job. But I, but I ended up having a conversation with one of my clients when I was still working for the Oakland A's. One of my clients was the CEO of this regional tech company. And he said, well, why don't you, I'd be interested in talking to you about coming to work for us. And so we went out to lunch and we talked about it. But after lunch, I was like thinking to myself, well, the industry is copy machines and printers and some IT services. That is not very sexy compared to, you know, baseball and professional sports. And I, and I almost didn't take the job. Not, and I didn't even have another job op, op, option. And I've been kind of looking for a while um, and having some conversation with some, some, some mentors, I, I realized, you know, don't overthink about what the industry is. Why, what is your why? My why was I want to be in a leadership position to positively impact other people. And I was going to be a vice president at the age of 28 for this company. And so let's not worry about the industry. Let's, let's, let's talk about what, what your goal was. It was to be a leader. You're going to come in, you're going to walk into a leadership position. And um, so I almost didn't take that job and I did. And it's, I had more fulfillment in that job in the seven years there than I did in my seven years in professional sports. I enjoyed both. Don't get me wrong, but I, I had more fulfillment in, and I almost didn't take it because my ego almost got in the way of working in an industry that wasn't very glamorous. Yeah. Well, I think that's awesome because I think a lot of people don't start with their why and, and make a decision based off of that. Like, like you said, a lot of people will stick with the sexier job with the Oakland athletics rather than go into this, uh, this other firm that sells, uh, printers and, and those different things that you were talking about. Um, but before last, last, before I ask the last question here, Sean, I just want to acknowledge you because I know that the work that you're doing is obviously affecting and positively impacting so many people given the testimonials and, and everything that, uh, and all the stories, success stories that you have in here. And I know it's just going to continue to impact more and more people. Like I said, I wish I had this when I was in college because I, I kind of wanted to do, to do more when seeking out internships and jobs, but I didn't know what to do other than going to career fairs and applying for jobs online. And so I would do a lot of that, but you're not really able to take ownership and, and responsibility for seeking out internships and finding jobs um, by doing that stuff, you can really take ownership and responsibility through your, through your career launch method, which, which is awesome. So I want to acknowledge you for all the, the great work that you're doing and will continue to do. Thank you very much. Of course. Well, y'all make, make sure you go learn more, uh, about Sean and at the, at the book, you can get the book at launchyourcareerbook.com. You can learn more about, uh, launch your career also at careerlaunch.academy. And you can follow Sean on LinkedIn at Sean O'Keefe. And I'll have all that stuff linked up in the show notes. But last question real quick here, Sean, is I think that getting closer to the best version of yourself is a constant journey and a unique journey. I think that the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is a little bit different than the way that you're going to get closer to the best version of yourself. So for you personally, if there are three things that you could currently do or currently work on to get to that best version of Sean O'Keefe that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? Yeah, so... um 
There's seven, for me, there's seven things. Um, I call it the seven pillars of life. And it's, it's family, uh, or fa- family and friends, health, spirituality, career, uh, contribution to society and lifestyle. And I'm, you know, my wife and I do goal setting. Um, and we, not just once a year, we got advice to start doing goal setting quarterly and really setting yep. quarterly goals and setting goals in all seven areas. And so, um, um, with health, I just hit a goal. I'm proud to say I hadn't done 5,000 meters in less than 20, um, uh, 20 minutes on the rowing machine. Let's so go, I baby. That, I did that last week. Um, so now I got to you know, set a new goal for uh, in, in some more goal, new goals in the health category. Um, but in, in terms of uh, uh, career, um, the, the career launch social enterprise, we want to impact a million students and young professionals by, by 2025. And uh, we'll do that through partnerships with colleges, universities, and nonprofit organizations, and um, and uh, and and opportunities like this. Nick, I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to spend some time with, here with you. You're doing a great job and uh, providing value to your listeners, and and being a great role model in all that you do. So it's it's been a pleasure to be here with you today. Well, I appreciate it. Those are those are awesome things. Congrats on that uh, that rowing goal. That's super cool. I, you know, I do a lot of rowing at Orange Theory, and I teach some rowing classes with Echelon as well. And I actually, it's funny to say that. Literally last night, I posted a video on Instagram giving two tips on rowing techniques. So you might want to go check it out. Uh, anyways, cool. that's uh, that's all I got for you today. Appreciate it, Sean. That was awesome. I hope you all enjoyed this awesome interview with Sean. Be sure you share this episode with a friend or family member, especially if they're someone who is looking to find a new job or make a pivot in their career. Also, be sure to rate it and review it on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app, and let me know what your favorite takeaway from Sean was. And be sure you're following me on Instagram at carrier underscore best you, and you you can connect with Sean on LinkedIn. Remember to take ownership of your career. Like, realize that you don't have to be at the mercy of job boards and job postings. If you don't have the connections now, you can create them organically. Also, remember that 80% of the jobs that are secured are not ever posted about. That's what we mean by the hidden job market. You have to go find them in that hidden job market, and Sean's method shows you exactly how to do that. Whether you're a college student, a young professional, or a seasoned professional, I promise you that you're going to learn something and get a lot of practical advice and knowledge from Sean's book, Launch Your Career. I mean, I personally made some adjustments already on LinkedIn while reading it, And I have a new system for how I personally follow up with some of my connections. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you share this episode with someone who could get a lot of value from it, especially someone, like I said, looking to level up in their career or maybe pivot into a new career. I hope you go out and take action and get closer and closer to your best you.